many, many artists over quite a few years to help us ask silly questions. And please let's um, remember, in the spirit of the hub, that we are going to listen and contribute to the conversation with generosity and um, feel free to ask more questions and um, <coughs> be respectful around what people's knowledges are, knowledge base is, depending on where they're at in their art and practice. And remembering that it's being recorded as well, so people will just stick with this at a later date. Um, that's always good to keep in mind. Um, so let's, so Kylie Thompson, thank you for coming today to talk to us about things like money and taxes and finances. Um, some questions have been sent in a, a list when you guys registered or wrote to Cecile. So I might kind of plow through those a bit and see where we get to and then feel free, like, let's set this be really informal if we're on a topic like tax and you have other questions to do with tax, feel free to jump on when we're on that topic rather than go back and forward and around. Does that make sense? Great. Are you all happy to find? Do you want to say anything before we start? I just wanted to say uh, thanks for uh, having me here. Um, and I've just basically been an accountant. This is my 30th year, I think. And I kind of... Um, have leaned towards specialising in the arts, uh, mainly in the music industry, but that has also, I also have quite a few um, dancers, choreographers, film people. It's quite interesting that a lot of musicians, partners, are also in a creative field. So I kind of had Sorrento Strategic Music, and then I've done Sorrento Strategic Creatives to, to make sure that those that aren't musos feel like they're still welcome as well. So just just to let you know, um, that's my background in terms of um, knowing where you guys are coming from. Right, and practically every artist that I spoke to that said you were coming in is oh, I know her. <laughs> like, it is, every musician gets their tax time by her. Um, so I feel like we're in good hands. Is everyone happy if I just go through the questions that people anonymously sent in and then go from there? That's a good place to start. Okay, starting tax. Um, being independent and earning, earning money as an artist. This question is how much do we need to make before we pay tax? And is there a threshold? And does it matter then if you're earning money from other sources before you start paying tax as an artist? Okay, so um, basically everyone in Australia gets $18,200 tax free. Um, that is because there's extra rebates at the moment. If I just say $20,000 roughly before you have to pay tax. Um, in terms of running your arts business though, it, I really encourage you, even if you um, are putting a lot of effort into things but not really making a lot of money, it still means to me that you're running a business. And I always encourage um, people in the arts to basically treat it properly like a business, have a separate business bank account, and even if there's minimal deposits but lots of expenses, it's still worthwhile reporting your business at the end of the year. So if your other income, so in, in the arts industry without being um, cliche, usually there might be a hospitality job or a barista or that kind of secondary job that you have to pay your rent with. Um, if that second, your main job that uh, pays the rent, um, if you don't earn more than $40,000 in that job, keeping track of 
tax refund um, from your other job um, because it's a specialty for arts businesses that you're allowed to offset your losses against your other job. It's, it's a special thing, there's farmers and artists get those provisions. So I, I have a lot of experience with people when I go out talking that go, look, I wasn't making any money, it, it, I just don't declare it, it's not worth it, I don't make any money out of it. Well, it can be well and truly worth it, especially if you have another job and you're getting tax deducted and it's you're earning less than $40,000. That is part of your turnover. 
Yeah, that is part of so your turnover. That is a good question. So then you do, then you have to register for get paid. Yeah, so you might have a $60,000 grant, yeah. and then your other fees are 30000 All of a sudden, your $90,000, you should be registered. Wow. That's so, a very so, good question. Yes. And then when you talk about the, so what's the benefit then? Uh, so why the 75 k Oh, that is just the government limit. So there's right. no there's no choice. Once you go over 75, there's no choice on that. You yeah, have okay. to register. So what might happen, and that's what happens generally with grants, isn't it? A lot of those grants get flushed through the organisations in June. Um, so if you do $30,000 up until June, and then you, you landed this $60,000 grant, you can just play dumb the first year and say, well, I didn't think I, it, it, it's tipped me over, I didn't really understand, but then if it was a continuing thing, see that 90,000 turnover, that stands out on your tax return, and they can link that straight away and go, oh, that person's not registered for GST, and it could easy trigger an audit. Um, so it is a tricky one, so the, the, the legislation actually says um, when you, uh, it's, it's like when at that point that you think you're going to go over is when you should register. So it kind of can happen at like a once off, but if every year you've got 90, 100, 110 there, um, you're asking for trouble. Yeah, so this kind of thing though, like if you have a year where you did get a, a series of grants that are going to go through your yeah. APM, at the end of that financial year, can you talk to your tax person and say, whoops, this is what happened, and like get advice at that point, or is that point too late? Uh, yeah, you can't really go back because you've already put in... asking for a friend. <laughs> for, yeah, asking yeah. for a friend. You, you can't really go back to the organisations because you, when you've ticked the box that says, are you or aren't you registered for GST, <coughs> yeah. so they haven't sent you 66, they've sent you 60. Um, but I wouldn't see that if, if it's an unknown known thing and you're not aware of it and it's a once off then it, it is what it is isn't it if we're um, mm. at the what 11th of June <laughs> um, we should be registered so maybe if that is the case at the moment maybe today is the day you go online and register for GST which only get, counts going forward but at least I've just done that for someone this week because mm. being June I'm looking at a lot of people's situation mm. at this time of the year and it was like a case of they didn't know till they walked in my door. And I said, well, at least when you, we lodge your return, it's going to say registered for GST and we'll lodge a June GST return. But you just cover, it's, you're just covering yourself a bit, even though you haven't quite done the right thing. Um, it's probably not as much as a standout as if you're not registered at all and there's $150,000 in there or something. But it's quite the effort. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, can I ask one question You can unregister on July 1. So if you got the 66 grand in June 21, yeah. next on July 1, you can say, there's no way, no, I'm going to turn over 75,000 next year. But you probably wouldn't want to, because if you've got 66,000 to spend, you might as well get, the, there's going to be wages in there, but there's going to be other costs in there that'll have GST on it. So there might be 30,000 in there that you might get three grand back. 
Um, so you probably don't want to quickly deregister, but then once you've done that grant and acquitted it. But I know in um, in the arts, these grants in this kind of industry seem to carry on over a few years sometimes, mm -hmm. don't they? Yeah. They're very yeah. project based. Um, so yeah, yeah this is just okay. You haven't paid tax on that at all, have you? When you got it? No. Because. No, because I haven't got a tax return. Yeah, but you're probably scared about it. And I just have a thing, because I know, because I deal with it, that what I'll do, if you got 66000 in June, but there's, and because I know that they're very um, project specific, I would hold, I would put the 66000 in as income, and then I back it out, grant carry forward. Because. Um, so, there's nothing worse than if you've got 66, you've got to pay out 66, and you put, if you cop the tax on that up front, um, when you're going to spend it anyway. So I kind of account for that. There's no real thing in the tax terms to tell you how to do that, but it's, that's what you can do. And you do that even with, so if I'm running a project, there'll be a bit that's for my wages, and then a bit for everything else. Do you do that with the whole thing, or only the bit that's everything else? Oh, what do I do? Uh, well, in in terms of um, getting the grant, and, and you've applied for it under your sole trader, even though what you're doing to the grant people is saying, oh, so much for me, mm. the project, really it's the net profit is what you're getting at the end of the day from the tax point of view. So if you got a $10,000 grant and 2,000 of it was your wages, you can't pay yourself wages because you're a sole trader. So basically your Profit for the year would be the two thousand. You get ten in, you pay out eight, and there'd be two left. Which so, is and so you hold over the bit that was for me. Uh, well, if you got the ten in and you hadn't even done anything to do with the project yeah. yet, I just hold the ten or the nine and a half over. <laughs> uh, I'm just and then, can you talk about us averaging as well, mm -hmm. like what that is? Can do, yeah. So, um, artist averaging is basically. Um, there to really try and help you through your good years and your bad years and, and so if you have, you know, ordinary year, ordinary year, bumper year, ordinary year, ordinary year, then it's taking your tax over five years and so this bumper year the tax rate will get pulled right down. So you need to basically report the, the there's a special box in the tax return where you report that, that special income and then they keep a tab of it every year. Um, and but it is quite specialised in that in a particular year, if it di didn't actually benefit you, you don't have to actually use it. So um, yeah, it can work really, really well. But I, I just got on a um, um, tangent with all of this with um, television, television and radio presenters this year. Um, I guess because I'm so involved in the music thing that sometimes I don't think outside of other. Um, um, artistic industries and um, I kind of got it on, on a roll with it because it was like um, most of the people that came to me have already established their careers but they've never used averaging mm -hmm. so the first year you use it you get a bumper result because it kind of takes one-fifth of your income and then uses the lower rate so yeah there's there's quite a lot of industries I think that because it's all about having the it's got an artistic element to what you're doing. So sometimes you might even have a job that has, maybe you can use half of it for 
the artistic averaging. Um, for example, I've got someone that's um, director of a festival, and I said, is there anything in, how much of your work do you think is kind of the planning, admin side of pulling that together, and how much is the artistic? And we're kind of like, well, maybe 50%. So sometimes your whole job might be, there might be technical <coughs> elements to what you do, but there might still be um, creative, it's the creative artistic skill um, that you might be able to get the tax benefits on. So can you do the artistic averaging um, at any time? Like I've never adopted that, but I could start doing that and say, right now I want to have my taxes averaged out over the Yeah, so you can only, so what I've been doing with, with this tangent I've got on this year, you can only go back and amend um, two years from the date of lodgement. So if we're now, um, the last people I've just lodged last week is the 2020, they're the real late lodgers. So um, to go back two years, the 2018's now probably probably can't be amended. So if I get some new people walk in the door um, you know, in a month's time, I could still go back and amend their 19 and their 20 and apply it to their 21. So that was a bit of what I was kind of getting. But you can start from like the next you can just start from 21. Okay. And yeah. can you do that if you have other income? Like I take it just applies to that income. Yeah, of course. But I can still do that if you've got other income in another industry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's very specific to the where the source of the income. Yes. Yeah. But they won't say no. You can't adopt the artist averaging scheme. No, you're just going to pull out. You just pull out. So if you've got, you know, I don't know, um, bar work. Um, and then your, your creative stuff, then it's just going to be this amount that goes in the special box on the tax return. Yep, thanks. Yeah. Be so many questions. Um, so I've just set up a not for profit PTY LTD, and do I need to register with the ATO to get tax exemption on that, or is it automatic? No, that's quite complicated. I've just done that. Um, You've got to register with the ACMC charities. Yeah, I've done that already. Yeah. And, and so then am I automatically, is it automatically I think it does get updated, um, but you can, um, whoever's your accountant for that not-for-profit, they can go in and look online and if it'll, I think actually if you go on ABN Lookup, you should be able to see if it's got tax exemption on it. Yeah, I didn't know that till we did a, there was an audit done on something, because because the, the not-for-profit I was looking at was set up before the ACNC, so it kind of missed the register because they, um, so I think once you actually register, that kind of triggers the exemption. But yeah, you just, you can see that on AB and look up if it's got income tax exemption. And the other thing isn't really a question, but just a handy thing. Mm -hmm. I learned that, because I had, I didn't pay super to myself in years and years,
And you <clears throat> and you also get some money back from the government if you put up to one thousand a year as a okay. self contribution. Something I can find the information for you, but I know I've done yeah, that where they would match fifty percent. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you put in a thousand dollars, the government will match you five hundred. Yeah, so you get five hundred. Yeah. Good yeah. Last year we might have had about a 30 or 40% take up of the clients 
um, all our businesses, we would say definitely, because um, a GST audit, you know, on a normal medium-sized business, um, for your 270 bucks. Two months bucks, of your life gone? Uh, um, the main, actually, in terms of like 30 years of experience in audits, um, I haven't had a lot, to be honest. I had a huge, a massive um, super audit, which was basically badly, it was just a bad experience, but the guy triggered the audit on my client and at the end of the day it was all wrong, so I wasted three weeks of my life. <laughs> um, so super audit maybe, yeah, very few made, like, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be safe. They probably, they put it out every year, this time every year they go, yeah, make sure you give all your receipts, <coughs> but it's not, it's not majorly common really. And you know, they, they kind of usually um, name industries that they're looking at. Um, they Every year you'll see them on the current affairs and they're going, right, they're going after these people this year, you know. And they, they, they have targets and all that, but um, yeah, it's not it's not huge, the activity. Is it that they're both randomised and um, picked up by red flags in the new operations? Yeah, they would, um, um, actually, when I used to work for Bob for about five years in the 90s, he had a lot of um, the UWA academics, and a lot of those would do a lot of um, sabbatical, you know, like they'll go and live in Switzerland for six months at a uni and that. So a lot of those academics would have $20,000, $30,000 claims against their salaries, and it was all legit. So that would be a trigger that they might go, right, tech anyone on salary and wages in those boxes that's over 10 grand, you know, or they might go all university lecturers. They'll, 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 they're getting very sophisticated in terms of, I mean, the latest I've heard of the courses is Bitcoin's gonna go. So if you're in Bitcoin, they'll be looking at everyone this year, I reckon. Um, I mean, even as an accountant, you look at it, you can't even know what's going on. <laughs> I luckily, because so, if you're investing in it, the, these young guys seem to know what they're doing. So there is an app that kind of takes it all and summarises it, which was fantastic. But yeah, it's pretty complicated. Right. What about Airbnb? A bit like something like that. Yeah, um, that they'll they'll um, they've been saying rental properties for like thirty years. I've been an accountant. I still haven't had a rental property yet. But they'll probably things like the Airbnb, um, the Uber driving. Because yeah, they'll just focus on an area. Um, and just hone in on that. And will they focus on, I remember one year Bob saying they're really cracking down on um, people claiming the uniforms. Or like, do they do that periodically through like different years they're cracking down on different things yeah, that they're trying I to I claim? This year it was working from home expenses because of COVID. Everyone working from home. Yeah, yeah I actually come up with all the, that was quite interesting. Because um, you know how they put out claim 80 cents an hour during COVID. Mm. If you think about it in WA, which only occurred to me about Ten months into this tax season, everyone in WA got a made like no one paid electricity. Remember, we all got that mm. rebate off your household thing. So I thought they haven't thought that one through very well because um, no one paid the electricity for three or four months, did they? Um, um, speaking of claims and things that we can pay, are there things that we can claim that we might not know about on our own in our practice, or are there things that we? Think we can claim and actually we're in the wrong. What should we be receipts for? Yeah, yeah. Be, yeah. be a bit careful as well. If you go online, like if you type in performing artists, they put out these occupational rulings, but they're actually for people 
it's it's really bad because these occupational rulings are for people that are on salary and wages, mm. and they're not for people that are on ABN running their own business. Mm. So people take those as gospel. Well, I don't. You know, it's like um, though when they basically, if you're on salary and wages, the tax office attitude is you really should, probably shouldn't have any deductions. You know, they'll let you have two ninety nine without receipts. But basically, you go to work, drive to work, go to work, do your job, and come home. In general, most things are supplied. Yeah. So if you look at the performing artist occupation thing, it's very tight and specific and all of that. Um, for me, if I'm analysing a performing artist business, um, some of the things, the main, one of the big costs would normally be just claiming your car, um, 5,000 kilometres maximum, which would be very easy for anyone running around doing lots of rehearsals and performance. Do we need to keep a logbook? Not a proper one if you just want to claim kilometres. There's only two methods, there used to be four. So it's either, um, you've just got to prove how did you come up with that 5,000 Ks, if asked. Yeah. Um, we actually have like a spreadsheet just for basic small businesses like yourselves, where we just, I actually say to people, as you put all your invoices in, just put the Ks down against each, as you summarise your invoices, just think to yourself, oh, that job, oh, that, that was about five trips to um, Subi and back. And just keep a tab like that. Well, that's a nice, easy way to keep a tab if it was ever looked at, because you've got where the work came from. But depending on, um, you know, like the big thing with musos is quite often there's always that kind of um, uh, run where they'll do like down to Marble River, Bunbury, Marble River, Albany, Denmark, that sort of thing. You won't have to do that 10 times a year and you've got your 5,000 Ks. Yeah. Um, or up to Geraldton. Seems to be now the latest run is up to Exmouth or Broome or yeah. So any any kind of trips like that, you, you know, one trip to Mother River's 500, 600 k's easy. Um, so that's that's your biggest cost really is and your okay car. And just log it per gig kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. An estimate, a reasonable estimate. Um, but one of the great things right at the moment is if you needed to update your car. Um, you can get 100% write-off on your car, or not not 100. But if you did 100% business, you could get it all written off. But if you keep a logbook for three months, and if most of you, if that was all you did was your ABN business, you didn't really have use your car for driving to and from work. Um, if you just basically kept a log for three months, it would virtually come up at about 90, 95% business related. Unless, like I did for many years, running running boys around with sport all weekend. Um, but most of you would come up with about, you know, very high business percentage. So if you need, the problem now is we've got like 19 days left. So unless you bought a car um, a second hand out of paper, would you be managed to get one? But if you were looking for a car, pretty hard to get um, one. It's got a bit like if you want to claim a tax deduction this year, you'd actually have to be able to buy the car, put the transfer into your name, and have use of the car to be able to claim the tax deduction this year. But let's say you went and spent 10 grand on a car, you started now and kept a three month blog book. So you don't have to do this year's tax if you're an accountant, you get right through to May next year. Um, if you started keeping your 12 week blog book now and it came in at 90% business, then you've got a nine grand out of that $10,000 tax deduction this year. And then on top of that, you'd add up all your fuel for the year, all your insurance, all your 
rego, any services, tyres, all of those things, you'd get 90% of that as a claim. So it is worth keeping a logbook if, if you update your car or you've got a more expensive car. Um, it is definitely worth keeping the logbook. But once you keep it for 12 weeks, that lasts you five years. Is there any cars you can do that with? Or are there yeah. other major equipment purchases? That uh, major equipment purchases, um, you can go up to $150,000 and get a 100% tax deduction on those. So that, they brought that in pre, uh, yeah, right on COVID. Yeah, that was like the, the They were bringing, yeah, that was about stimulating <coughs> the economy yeah. and then COVID hit and now they've extended and extended it. Um, but it's actually got a real sting in the tail because I've got a couple of clients that could, had 150 grand they could actually spend on, you know, I don't even know what half these things are, you know, some kind of uh, equipment on, on properties or whatever. Um, the problem is you've got a big, that, yeah, you've got a big massive loss or whatever, but then what happens? You want to go to the bank to borrow money for something. Um, it's the same with riding off a car. Um, had a lot of problem in the last 12 months with um, young people wanting to get into a home and all of that. And you could write off your whole car, um, and then, but it doesn't look good. Looks good, you don't pay any tax, but as soon as you want to go to the bank, you're saying, well, it's just a tax adjustment, it's still got the car, you know. But yeah, it's very difficult banks at the moment and finance. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. So, um, just in terms of
but you, you never you never do the black jeans and the t-shirt because of the whole music industry in one vote. But you might have safety work boots, aren't you, if you're a lighting guy or a, you know. So it's about the interpretation. Now the, the stage makeup for me, I've always I would say that I'm just saying if it's good quality makeup like Mac. Um, and I did read somewhere the other day that they they kind of said and and the cleanser to take it off. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So I'm not saying yeah. I'd love to hear the person who would have this out to the audit. Also, you know, assessing quality of makeup brands. Like, yeah. surely they're just going to Yes be like, to Mac, no to yeah. No, but, but you know what I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. the quality of the makeup yeah. that's going to stay on during a performance, yeah, yeah. that's what you're arguing. Because yeah. during, during, if it's vigorous dance, you're going to sweat and you need a foundation that's not going to run and yeah. dirt, and so I can claim out of that. Yeah, but some some of my clients just take the grooming a little bit, you know, the waxing and the um, <laughs> oh. stuff, and I'm like, and then going to the beauticians and the skincare, and I'm like, really, I don't think so. Yeah, too much. Yeah, too much. Yeah. Keep that in a very safe spot. 
Um, and the other thing about receipts as well, now they, the tax office have come out very clearly and said digital records are fine, because obviously they got used to the fact that the receipts all faded and no one had any. That's still not a good enough excuse, but if you look on there, they'll say you can have a digital receipt as long as you've got another backup. So if your computer dies, they don't care. If you haven't kept the hard drive backup, that's not an excuse. Um, so it's all very well having the digital, but just make, make yourself have a tax folder where you just, and year by year, file them and back them up on a hard drive and have that separate somewhere. Can I just check with that? So I, for years, I've just put everything onto my credit card so that I've got a record, and then I pay my credit card off at the end of each month, basically. But that's not enough, is it? You, uh, it actually own? is. Oh, that is? Uh, yeah. well, okay, technically, mm. they'll say, if you look up a receipt, a receipt must say who it's from, what yeah. it's for, the date, mm. and all of that. Mm. But um, definitely in more recent years, um, I've had some, I have had a, a young um, artist girl audited, actually. That was a real interesting one. Um, they were quite happy with bank statements. Okay, great. Now, for me, and I, we, we're actually um, at the moment um, being contracted by Support Act to, to help out the people that have got, you know, behind, basically. So we're getting used to trying to pull records out of people um, that have just had a major blockage about, you know, their finances. Now, it's really easy now, there's even programs and stuff, you can get the bank statements and turn them into spreadsheets and all sorts of things. So. Basically, if you're using an FPOS card on your bank statements, and credit cards are even better, yeah. but technically, if they were to look at that and, and it said, like, so for me, it's obviously Telstra's a phone or whatever, but you might have Officeworks, well, they might that might be all right, but... Mm. Um, uh, Coles. Coles, you'd have to prove, yeah, yeah. so that wouldn't be real good, would it, the Coles one. And you um, get those businesses where it's not, it doesn't actually link to what, you know, it's like yeah. Jay, you need a description of what, yeah, like you can just write that in, can't you? In, in well, you know, you, if or you, you audited, you physically need the receipt. To say what you purchased. But okay. what, what I'm saying is when you, if you've got bulk, you know, we, we just did someone 20 years, got them up today. Um, we feel like, it's just been like unbelievable feeling for us all in the office. Um, well done. 20 years. So everyone who's holding that one doing this. <laughs> <laughs> don't stress, don't stress. But we manage, it, it, so we can get records out of anyone. But it's all, yeah, your bank statement is the best place to start. So I really don't think that, um, yeah. If the chance, I think if you just got in a habit of electronically filing every time you got a receipt, um, but your bank statement's a good place to go from to get that to put it in a summary on a spreadsheet so that you can um, give that to your accountant. Um, but yeah, getting in the habit of actually keeping the receipts because that's technically what they could ask for. So receipts fade. I've never done this, but I, and I was I work with has recommended there's an app that you can get where you take a photo and it automatically files it into tax and then you can throw away the physical receipt and you've got. And so yeah, as long as you've got the backup, you see. Yeah, there's heaps of apps. There's one called um, Scannables. Um, Squirrel Street is another one I've heard. Genius
which is a bit cheaper than Europe. Sure it's also Wave, which is free, but I don't know how good it is. Oh, I think it's gone bad now because it's American. And they, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 all the people that have Wave loved it. And because it's American now, they just made some, I think they maybe just started charging or not. It, just, it was like a whole heap of people had Wave because it was free. And now since COVID hit everything, everyone stopped using it. It's not so good. So just to go back to Andrew's question, what can you can you like put your finger in lots of different pies? Like if you've got five different income sources, which is what we both have, um, can you claim? Say for example, I claim every performance I see as professional development. Yeah, as, as a teacher. So drama. interestingly enough, interestingly enough, because um, I'm on these, uh, COVID actually got me on these great. Um, Facebook forums, which I am on one, um, the arts one, which I find really <coughs> quite interesting the last 12 months. Alex yeah, said it, yeah, yeah. and Daisy's on that and whatever. Um, but yeah, I've loved Facebook during COVID because I think people can ask questions and, and all of that. But um, funnily enough, on the other day, they were on about the makeup and the and uh, uh, someone claiming their, um, just because there's ordinary accounts that don't know anything about the arts, you know, Someone said, "Oh, I'm going to claim going to this and going to that." Or whatever. So, for me, any anyone in the arts, movies, theatre, yeah. concerts, like for me, CDs. Sorry, sorry. I was about to say CDs. CDs, <laughs> records, Spotify, 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 Spotify.
definitely as a sole trader, any of that. Now, difference is, you live in Perth, the minute you go out of Perth, you're on business travel. So you're eating, drinking, yeah. that's a travel cost. Just Dan Murphy, Bunbury. <laughs> <laughs>
so let's say you're putting for global putting on a production, aren't you? So you've got what ten dancers over the time, or and you would also have different people like the marketing person, like when you put in all of that. So if I was using a marketing person for a thing, I wouldn't think that you'd be telling them what to do. You'd be saying, I want to market this event, and they'd be using their expertise um, to come up with the. With, with the end result, mm -hmm. yeah. you wouldn't say you're gonna. You'd, you'd probably say this is the deadline yeah. that they've got ten weeks to pull right. that together. They, 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 they take off and they do that, but you're paying them, yeah. right? So that's to me obviously pretty, pretty obvious that you they're independent, um, and you and you you wouldn't need to pay super on. They're running their own business. You're one of um, fifty clients they've dealt with that year. Um, now the girls that. Might, and guys that might be part of your production, I guess, is what, a two-week period. Mm -hmm. um, that would worry me, I guess, if the production, you were the director or the producer, and you're telling them where to turn up, when to rehearse, what to do, how many hours um, they've got. They might have a little bit of creative input, just from their skills, but realistically, you're running the show. That sounds very much to me like more of an employee-type relationship, and maybe there is super... Yeah. I have a few dance studio um, clients and it worries me that the young and most of these type setups in the dance studios they just got the young students doing the dance lessons but a lot of them would go over $449 in a calendar month and they're saying well they're just subcontractors not really it worries me that the tax office are going to take a systematic approach to this kind of setup at some point so we should be watching out for that I'd be a bit mindful about if, uh, how often I'm using someone and if it's just random once off for one production yeah. or if you're always using the same thing. Um, there's a lot of information online, um, even Fair Work Australia, about subcontractors and super. Um, I've just done a lot of research on it because I've got a lady that does a lot of production stuff. Like She just came in my door in January. In December quarter, she had 86 subcontractors. She does lots of little putting people in shopping centres and shows and theatre and all sorts of things. And it's just a real worry. Um, and when I tried to say, I'm not sure that you aren't up for um, super on these people, I actually went and did a fair bit of research. Because there's something called sham contracting and you could Google that and find a lot of information on the internet about um, basically whether you've you might be liable or not for super. So that is a, a, a very worry for me in this industry yeah. as to um, being mindful of that. Uh, and, you know, if you get a grant for 66000 for example, for a big production, all you do is factor that into your numbers and go, okay, I'm going to go. We're applying for the money. We factor in super in the budget. It's going to be 10% from July 1, 2. Yeah. I would be feel safer if you factor that into a government... Uh, Australia Council grant or whatever, I'm sure it's just a, a cost of business. Yeah. But avoiding it and getting sprung later when you spend the 66 grand and then the tax office coming along, because on the tax return there's a box subcontractors, there's a box super. It won't be hard for them to go, let's run, have a look at the dancers, performing artists.
playing with marketing if they're contributing to a film or an artistic output? Yeah, it's an annoying question. That means pretty much just pay everyone if you're in the Even if it's in marketing and arts. I think, yes. it's, I think it's best practice to do, to always put in super and work with So every single person. For every single person that you contract. Or that's what I've always done. So any grant I've ever applied for, I factor in I super that. and workers' comp. So, and I also feel better paying it. I just feel like it's best practice. Yeah, and it's really hard when I'm going to a dance um, school owner who's getting paid and not having a super. Pay. Never had, no one's ever paid my super. And I'm saying, sorry. So, when you say every single person, so like, you know, I hire someone to come and shoot stills of yeah. my thing, you've got to pay them workers' comp and super. You can't just pay them for the job. Yeah. Unless, unless it's for your wedding. Like, if no, you're no, not in the business of making art. Unless they're yeah, sure. a trust operate out of a trust or a company. Yeah, if they operate out of a trust or a company, this you're not responsible ever for super. Okay, that, that draws the line. But if they're a sole trader or a partnership ABM, you may or may not, I'm not saying you are every time, you may or may not be responsible. It's just a real grey area and it's not black and white. So maybe it's just best to just do it. A, it's a nice thing for people to have, especially because you you know, getting the photographer to come and how often are they getting their super? But the photographer, see, the photographer to me would be different. Or, um, you know, if you're using a photographer, they're just coming in with their photography business hat on yeah, and doing a one-off job. Of these point. categories that goes for personal page of services relating to the making of a film, tape, television, radio, broadcast, personal page to provide services to support those who perform, play sport, or promote these activities for a sports person, an artist, or an entertainer music, play, dance, entertainment, sport. I think all those people you've got to do the stupid super thing for. I think it, <laughs> it was funny it was explained to me. It's like, if I if I want that exact person to do the job, yeah. I pay them super. Yeah. It's like, so if I, if I pay somebody to photograph my show and I'm fine for them to actually get this other person and then I pay... I, well, I did it the other well, day. Like I, I paid Fionn, he paid Brendan yep. to, to shoot my show. Yep. It's like, that's that's cool. I'm not, I'm not going to pay them super because that's, he, you know, I paid him for the job to be done. But if I pay Ella to work on my show I, and I don't, and Ella can't, and Ella, get gets, Ella gets pubber to come along, it's like, no, 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 I was, I, was, I wanted, I wanted Ella, yeah. then I should absolutely pay her super. But what if you wanted Fionn and Fionn came? I wasn't expecting, like, I mean, I, I was employing, I was employing Theon as the filmmaker, as, as his business. Mm. It was like, can you, can you arrange to do that, that kind of business? Like, if I did want him, I, if I want him exactly, I kind of feel I should pay him super. Because it's like... I don't agree with that, though. I don't agree with that. I think you should pay super to anybody. Not just people you really want to work with. That's not, not fair. And I totally agree with Talia. That's something that you, you should factor in in your grants. At Performing Lines, we pay everybody, no matter what. Uh, they're super. We are a company, but I don't know. I feel like... Do this to hmm. Away, you and make that you, 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 you put 10% of that away, or do you itemize it in some way? Yeah. 
saying like that's a good question um so I know some people i've got i put my super thing at the bottom of just my just put a line under that it's over 400 yeah then they pay it but No, you I'm don't. Gonna put it into a super yes. Because yeah. you can yes. That is actually something that I did ask for people, and that people would not pay the super to you; they would pay straight to your yeah, fund. So you have to have your details. Detail. Yeah, but Um, but yeah, they are really catching up, you know, like, um, 
only just found out this week, if you sell a property now over 750,000, I didn't even know this, I just thought, oh, well, the clients I've had that sell properties must have had good real settlement agents. But you have to declare like a proper tax clearance certificate before settlement happens. And so now all those sales are showing up on your tax file number when we go to do your tax return. So we can see now, even if you sold your home, and we have to answer, yes, um, this was their principal residence, so there's no tax payable. But yeah, they're really, um, the information sharing is pretty unbelievable. So as invoicing artists, like what Andrea said, if we are presenting an invoice and saying, here's my wage for this job, and here's the 10% super at the bottom, here are my super details, thank you for paying it directly into my super account, is there anything we can do to assist that person to kind of say, look, it's really easy, you just have to do this? Like, is there some point? Well, they'd have to pay the super, um, if they, are these people going to, they're, they're not really businesses that are going to pay super quarterly for the employees, are No. They? They're just little artists. Yeah. You're all, yeah. So what can we do to make it easier? Put on the invoice. The, 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 way, the way that I do it is you get a superannuation clearing house, and it is a bit of a bitch, like it will take them an hour to set it up. And once that's set up, then it's quick. Um, but you do need to ask for specific things like uh, your certain tax number. file number, your date of birth, something else. Um, yep, you could say that. And what I put on my invoice is not, please, can you? Just legally, you're required to. If you tell them they could get in trouble, <laughs> that actually gets them going a little bit. Do you have a minimum, like, find out a minimum of 450 per month? Yeah, so that's going to in 12 months. That just got announced. So you said that before. No, 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 there's no limit. That's good because I feel like it makes people go, I'll pay you yeah. 449. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, suddenly all the gigs yeah. And also sometimes you might not know that you might have another gig within the same months. And then you're yeah. like, ah. Oh. Yeah. But I mean, it's good, but it, I do think that the system's a bit shit for small independent artists who are spending so much time administering superannuation. And I, it, it's actually, you know, it's really hard sometimes to do the right thing. Yeah. And especially if the most of the industry isn't. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I've made, you know, I had events um, people in the other day and we've got 22, my girl that's doing the, um, we're trying to get around super in for June now so they get the tax deduction this month. Um, and we're telling them you've got 22 people you want to pay super for. Well, the guy who is the one out there setting up these events said, this is absolutely ridiculous and no one else does this, you know. Um, but it's like, I'm just telling you the right thing to do. But the main, yeah, the main thing is you never want to be, there's nothing worse than if you got caught out and you did a major $66,000 grant and all of a sudden you've got to find five grand for that super you didn't pay or something, you know. Mm -hmm. One more and then we'll do the, because we're running out of time. Oh. Is it about? No, it's about eight. You've got 10 more minutes, guys. Oh. Was the next five minutes? Was the yeah, next four? Oh, okay. Go for your next question and then I'll save the last one. Um, yeah, we don't need to go too, too, too in depth into it. Um, I say just finished studying you at uni now. Um, how does HEX work? When does stuff start getting taken off your HEX if you're on like wages? As, wait, if yeah. you're not on salary wage? Okay. Like if I'm just getting like, yeah, like round. You've got numerous sources of income. Yeah, will it still work if just leads to my... So, so but how it works, and it is quite confusing. Yeah. So if you go and get a salary and wage job, you tick that, you know, that tax file number, 
yeah. information at the start, do you have a head stand yeah. or not? Yeah. Yes or no? Yeah. Then if you do and you earn a certain amount a fortnight or a pay, they'll take they take extra tax out for your hex. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Yeah. But actually they're not people think they're paying that to the tax office and it's coming off the bill. Yeah. But it doesn't, because if you don't earn, I think it's around forty five thousand minimum, they've dropped that over this now. Wow. You can look online and go what's that um, yeah. hex repayment levels upgraded there now um, for this year but they've dropped that from like 55 to about 45 now so they're trying I think they got to the point that no one's paying it back you know yeah right. so basically though if you have several different jobs yeah you might have been having extra tax taken out of all these little jobs because you ticked the hex box but you didn't actually hit the the actual limit where you got to pay it so you might get a nice tax refund got you okay but people are thinking because they see on their face if it's coming out, Whoa. but it doesn't actually pay off your debt. You yeah. get a nice tax refund back. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And so, and then. Well, it's not cool. Well, so when you because when you come out of uni, you're starting out, yeah. and then you might get ten years down the track and go, I thought I've been paying this hex every year, and then yeah. you come and see oh. someone, man, I go, well, you owe forty grand or whatever. Yeah. No, I checked. But it's a bit confusing. Place. So also, if you're an ABN person, yeah. the only time you'd have to pay it back was if your net profit at the end of the year is okay. over that forty-five thousand or whatever that limit is. Okay, and is that? And then it's staggered. It's like three percent of your forty-five, about okay. four percent of your fifty. The more you earn, the the higher the percentage they take back for, for to pay off your debt. Got you. Yeah. So, uh, so, and will that automatically? Have, so, say I'm getting multiple. Um, Payments, but just under my name as an artist. And the ABM business, yeah. Um, uh, and then let's say, <laughs> imagine if I hit 45k, and then. Unless your expenses come off, though. Mm -hmm. You know, in your own business, you're going to have all these yep. invoices, okay. but you'll also have some expenses. So it's on your Do I need profit. to do something? Can don't I call stress. up with my hex if I'm You're only just finishing, my... don't stress. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wrong, 
then this guy could lose his house over it. So if you want to go into business with someone that's not in your, you know, your partner or your family or your relation or, you know, pretty there, then you want to go into business with someone else. I think the Flight Crew Membership Company is the way to go because basically the whole business is contained in that little bucket of a company and if that business does something wrong and gets sued, all your outside assets and everything have nothing to do with it, okay? So it frees up your personal uh, It's a liability, so like that Pritry Limited is protecting your liability. So you're paying 1500 bucks to set this up to protect your personal assets, okay? okay? Um, another reason why you get to that level is as soon as you earn more than $45,000, a company tax rate is cheaper. The company tax rate from July 1 is 25%. That has massively changed in the last 10 years. It used to be 36% it's coming down and every year type thing. So if you were, it's very difficult though in the arts business, if you're generating uh, income just for being the dancer, the producer, that sort of thing. But if you're putting on a show and you've got a grant for it and that, you might have um, factored in five grand buffer there for your profit, for your idea or whatever. Um, from t so you might, and you might make, um, get some merch drawn up, um, which you're paying for the, you know, it's not just your personal effort that's made this money. So if you start um, basically running a business that's not just you going out and doing your personal effort, um, a company might be a very good tax planning tool in, to, to minimise your tax and build your wealth. So as an example, say with a, um, a good musician, um, once they start touring, it becomes a bit of a machine, you know, because you've got this, you, you, they're getting paid for their performance on stage and they're, um, but they've got the whole band then, they've got the tech guys, they've got the tour manager, they've got the merch guy, they're selling merch left, right, centre. So all of a sudden it's a full on business. So in that company though, then all of those profits are just pegged at 25 cents in the dollar. So that's when, so to move into a company, there are several reasons why you do it, but you don't have to be a massive corporation to do it, but you wouldn't, I would never put someone in a company if, if I didn't think they were at that level that it's worth it. What about all, uh, all this whole um, grant thing, like if I'm, say you're getting grants, so you're doing like a community arts project, um, and so instead of, and then you get like a, $40,000 grant, instead of the $40,000 grant coming into my personal ABN, is that if I have like a company and then it's almost like that company can run as the auspice for that grant? Yeah. It's possible, yeah. 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 Is that worth um, Another reason I'm just thinking... have to add in a loan for how much they want. So they might ask for 10 or 15% of the overall grant. The, so the if auspice you're thing. Yeah. And I'm saying if I be... Like I make a company and oh, I'm able yeah. to be then the you can charge that. Yeah. Then yeah, you yeah. have to manage. You have to make sure then you have a responsibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. So don't both offices be a registered organisation? Oh, okay. Yeah. To the auspice. Yeah, right. you have to be registered. Yeah, like if you've got four registered. But so another another reason why a company may be a good idea is if you were getting close to the seventy five thousand turnover, and really the sort of work you're doing is it, going to cost you money to go and register for jobs to go and register for GST. So if I give you a really good example,
recording studios. They seem to be at that level that 75,000, they, they get to that level and it's very, um, I guess there's lots of studios opening up home studios now, you know what I mean? It's very competitive. So if I can go and get my album made for 3,300 versus 3,000, I'll take the 3,000 every time if I'm a struggling artist, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So the GST registration can be quite important. So having a second entity, not just the sole trader, might be worthwhile. Um, so you can actually turn over 150,000 before you have to start paying GST. So, but the cheaper option than the Pricey Limited, because the Pricey Limited is more expensive to set up, plus it's at least $600 a year in annual fees. Um, whereas another cheaper option to get a second ABN is just a family trust, which is only about 500 to set up, and it doesn't have any ongoing annual fees. Um, the other, family trust can be really good in terms of if you do a lot of travel, because you can be an employee of your own family trust, because you can't be of your partnership or your sole trader. So a family trust, you can be an employee of that. So the family trust can pay you for diems if you're doing lots of touring. So I've set up family trust, again, going back to the music, where I'm really, you know, my, uh, do a lot of, like um, sound engineers that do a lot of touring with some big bands. So this guy's got his own family trust and every time he goes away, we do up a schedule of his travel days and we, and we pay it before he goes, just like you would if you were working for someone else. We process that through the single touch payroll as a proper wage. And we, yeah, we have, well, I think we've probably got 30 bands and stuff set up like that, where we just basically got them all on for DMs every time they tour. At the moment, it's a nightmare. They just keep organising the tour. We work out that the DMs cancel the tour. Um, but yeah, there's, so there's various entities and reasons for them. But yeah, they're all really you need to see your accountant to, to get advice. Yeah. We've only got a couple of minutes left. Is there anything else that's left? Um, questions? Um,
I call her the practice manager, Chantelle. She's going to kill me. She goes, like, I'm going to do a talk. She goes, no! So I specifically got these all um, oh, printed up for creators, you know. But, but I guess, like, what is a, like, I mean, we're coming up to the end of the financial year. Is you it guess? always kind of good to do it at those turning points or quarterly yeah. when you're doing your bass or whatever? That's a good point to change accountants. What yeah, well, I guess we're coming to the end of the year. So a new tax season starts in... 20 days time. And what do you need to do? Like, have it not record the overall? All you need, if you want to, if you, if you basically um, want to move accountants, you just need to, um, when you, uh, like, I, I would always say, come and see me for um, an interview the first time, the first year type. I would always say, bring your last year's tax return. Um, people are a bit funny. They're like, what do you charge? It's like, how do I know what I charge? Do I even see? But even just coming into the first interview, I can see what your off your last year's tax return, what you used to declare, or whatever, and then I can, once I go through your records, I can kind of see how good or bad you keep your records. Mm -hmm. Then I can tell you when you're there what we're kind of looking at. Yeah. So at the moment, we we just started a new system 12 months ago. So now our clients, um, and it was a, a hard thing to do, but we basically set out our fees last June for all our existing clients, and we went through the whole list. And so we just said, right, we're just keeping it, you know, we know the ones that are the same every year. Um, so, yeah, the main thing is you would all have a copy of last week's tax return. Now, uh, unless you did it yourself on e-tax, which is a bit of a bloody nightmare to get anything out of, we can see what the tax office sees when you did it on there yourself. Um, we've got access, as soon as we put you on our logic list, there's so much information there now. We can see everything you've got in my gut. So, um, it's not a big deal. As an ethical thing, as a CPA, um, I am actually chartered as well, but I've been a CPA for 30 years. Um, as a CPA, it, it's just a so thing. What's the difference? Charter. There's not, there's not really a difference. You're both a qualified accountant. Um, charter accountant. But the charter's probably more high level, um, uh, whatever, anyway. Um, it's just, we just write a letter, an ethical letter to your prior accountant just to say, it, it also gives them the, um, we all, it's just a standard thing in the industry, I guess, for professional people to say, is there any reason we shouldn't accept this appointment? Um, usually, no one ever answers, or they might just send an email and say, that's fine, whatever, but it's just a courtesy. Um, and some people say, if they've been with their account for years, I need to actually phone them and tell them I'm going first before I come, you know, that's fine, whatever. Or some people are like, oh God, I hate to let them know I'm going, and it's like, that's that's fine, you just come in, we write the letter and then that. It, I mean, basically, and then some people don't tell us, they just drop off the list when you see your final list at the end of the year. Mm -mm. Ariel and the next, that next group are just about ready to sit down on our lap. So, thank you. Thank you, thank you Kylie. <laughs>